0: Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. We're going to look at the Word of God today, and we're in this whole month kind of asking the question, what's the Spirit of the Lord saying to this body? And if that's a new idea to you, I tried to kind of like pave the way last week, and just the book of Revelation, if you've never read it, the front half of it, or the front seven chapters are just Jesus writing letters to churches. And he, and he kind of points out really clearly, I know everything about you. God knows everything about everybody in this room. Is that terrifying to anybody? And it's either be terrifying or it can be like the most welcoming thing ever. The one who knows everything about you died for you that he might secure you to himself. And so he begins to write to these churches and he says, I know what you love and I know what you hate. I know where you're strong and I know where you're weak and I know what you've allowed and I know everything about you churches. And he writes these letters and he begins to call them out. And it's kind of that idea of like, how cool would it be? How much better would it be if I wasn't here and Jesus just walked through that door and was like, hey, cobblestone or a letter. That would be awesome, right? And then, so when we talk about what's the Holy Spirit saying, that's a little harder than saying, hey, let's open up to the book of Deuteronomy and let's exegete some scripture. I, we do that. But to be taught by the word means we must do what it says. And it says be led by the Spirit. So what you just watched, you actually just watched a little bit of that. First service, I'm sitting up here. Um, we're, we're singing our songs and all of a sudden someone touches me on the shoulder but I have my eyes closed so I kind of like freak out. Happens to me all the time. People like all of a sudden have to tell me something while I'm like this. And I'm like, yeah. But it's Tim, he's one of our elders and he's literally like almost vibrating, not really. And he says, I feel like the Lord wants to touch and bless people that are weak and maybe not so sure they can give Jesus everything. And I was like, great, you tell him." And we got to minister to a lot of people first service. That's why we leaned into that whole thing. We did that because right as soon as you started to say that, I was like, okay, let's see. Maybe, maybe, maybe Tim just drank a ton of coffee this morning. Maybe, right? So like, what is Tim saying to me? Tim's saying to me that God wants our churches everything. I'm like, is that a biblical thought? Yeah. Okay. So I was like, good, check. 1 Thessalonians 5 says us we should test everything. So I just started immediately testing And then he said, there's people in here who are just not so sure. And there's probably been a pain point that made them believe they couldn't trust God. And knowing just like statistics of like, even what's going on in your life this week, there's probably some of you that got some hardship this week. And I went, okay. And then we watched it. So we want to be taught by the word and led by the spirit. And I have unofficially, it's not on a business card or anything. I don't even want this job. Uh, given my, job, my, my role is to become something of the recorder or the watcher or the steward of the words of the Lord to this church. What, what I mean is, I don't know if it's because I have a big mouth or I'm right here where I am, but anytime someone's like God did this or God said this, they come tell me. And I have, and I mean journals, at least eight, full of God did this, God spoke this, God wants this. And I'm trying to not get so close to it. You ever get something so close in your face you can't see the big picture? And so I'm trying to step back and go, okay, what are you doing? What do you want to do? And so that's kind of my role today. It comes out of Revelation, like I said, but to remind you, it says, let those who have ears hear what the Spirit is saying. And we talked about, it's possible to be a church without ears. Meaning he says, let those who have ears, because there's people that don't. And we talked about that being an inclination of the heart. I want to hear the voice of God. I want to hear what the Spirit says. So if I was to just tap any of you in this room right now, just hand you a microphone, I'm not doing that. But if I was, and I put you up here, and I said, tell them, what's God want to do here? What would you say? That's our mission today. Okay, and, and that's a big picture, so I would have to preach longer than I have. I'm going to give you three that I feel. And then next week, my friend Jeremiah is going to come and give you some more, and I think you're going to get to see some of the internal prayers we've been praying, but I would love to pray. So, Father, I love you. And I thank you. I already feel your presence and your goodness and your joy, and I thank you once again for a body that's willing to follow you and not the cultural tide of the day, even the church cultural tide of the day. I ask that your word would be like fire in our bone, that it would be the scroll that Ezekiel, or yeah, ate, that it is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, and that it would cut and it would mold, and it would move us, and we would hear your voice over mine, over ours, over the world's. We would hear the voice of the Lord in the Word of God. I thank you that you're not silent and that your spirit is moving. I thank you that we did fight your spirit for a really long time, but you're most welcome here. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Open a Bible up to Ezekiel. Exodus 34. Exodus 34, you have the people of God being challenged um, about a particular topic, which is the very first thing I want to bring up that I have seen the Lord speak over this church. And when I say speak, I mean prophetically, God spoke in an elder meeting that this was an issue and we've been praying over it and seeing it happen uh, for the last year, year and a half. And and what I mean is, so we actually pray in our elder meetings. What? Yeah, we actually have a praying group of men that get on their face and go, God, how do you want us to lead? Not we have business degrees and we know what to do, but God, only by your spirit will we know what to do, tell us what to do. And in one of those moments, i had my friend jeremiah and here's the reality i grew up very kind of reformed bible academic in the world and like i I can tell you with my brain what the bible says he grew up jeremiah grew up probably more word of faith pentecostal you put us in a room crazy stuff happens you get taught by the word led by the spirit is what you get and we're praying we're going god lead us and out of jeremiah's mouth and he does have the gift of tongues he starts to pray in a language that is not english Now, I don't know if you've been in a room like that. That gets everybody's attention. Like, you ever just been in a prayer reading, and all of a sudden, you clip off in tongues, you're like, all right, cat, what are you doing? So he is, and I'm like, great, but it's different. It's like the room shifted. And it's like God wanted to get our attention. But you have to know, when people use their spiritual gifts in this church, we immediately are like, what's the Bible tell us to do? And how does it tell us to handle those? So I know that if he's yelling out in tongues, there needs to be an interpretation so i start praying lord give an interpretation interpret it interpret it so by the spirit he speaks by the spirit will interpret and then it comes and it's idols 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 i'm coming to destroy them and that was about a year, year and a half ago so in that moment, you have to be, as elders, very discerning. Is that, are the, elder, are the elders full of idols? Uh, like, or is it the staff? What, who is this for? And I can tell you, like, I have watched God do what he said he was going to do. He's come, and this is the reality. I've watched you all live this the last year, year and a half. He's called some of you out of complacency, and you weren't like, dang it, I don't have my idols anymore. You were like, following God is the best thing I've ever done. So God is doing what he said he was going to do. And I think this is kind of the the final nail in the coffin because we've been praying into this. We've seen God kind of call us the same way. And there's a long history in the people of God, of God coming to them and being like, hey guys, you got some idols. Let's get cutting them down. And what I mean is God would come to his people and be like, I want a covenant with you. That's marriage language. I want to be your God. I want you to be my people, you and none other. This is the same thing if you're married, husband or wife, you did the same thing. You didn't invite anybody else into the bedroom. You don't invite anybody else in. You're like, protect that thing. That's what God does with his people. And over and over again, it starts off strong. And it always starts strong because God's there like, you and me, we're in this. And they're like, we're in this. And then like a week later, they're on the high places with Asherah poles serving Baals because, yes, we are God's chosen people, but we need rain or we need fertility or we need crops. And we're not quite sure if He's going to do it for us. And the reason this matters is because it, it matters to the heart of God that His people are first and foremost wholly His. And I've seen the Lord do it on multiple levels. He's done it in me. He's done it in every staff member. He's done it in all the elders. It's this like, it's almost like this crushing down of the places you don't trust him. And it's painful a little bit. And you're a little bit like, why are you doing this to me? And he's like, cause I love you. And I don't want you enslaved to idols that can't see or hear or speak. Cause there's only one true living God and every other God is an idol, lowercase g. And typically, they're not just idols, they're demonic things. And so, as as a church, God is calling us to, I think, for the final, like, just like nail the coffin shut, let's identify our idols and cut them down. And you'll see this happen over and over again. Israel get a good king or a bad king? The good kings. They would issue these decrees, go out into the high places and cut down the Asherah poles. We will not serve any God, but the God of Israel, the great I am, the one who is and was and always will be. And then there'd be this great like influx of like righteousness and blessing because they honored the Lord. A lot of times when we talk about idols though, I don't think anybody in here has an Asherah pole in their house. Anybody slaughter any infants to Molech anytime recently? if you are, you should repent. Our idols are a little bit more internal, but they're no less like horrible. So let me paint a situation for you tonight. Gentlemen, you're going to take your wife on a date. That's a good idea. You should do that. You're like, babe, seven o'clock. Just meet me at the movies. I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring Stacy with me though. Did anybody's wife just do the same thing, mind it? You, excuse me, what? You're gonna do what? Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring my side piece to my date with my wife. How's that go, gentlemen? And then somebody said, no, I'm good. No, I'm good at all, right? It doesn't work well. And so it is, it is a jealous love. It is a protection of that marriage that makes you go, I'm not gonna date on this side because I pledged, I vowed, I covenanted with a one. And this is the language of the Bible when he talks about idols. We think it's like, oh, I hate them. I'm very jealous. And he is jealous, but every husband in here is jealous. And if you're saying you're not, you're lying. Because if a dude hits on Anna, I'm hitting him. Not really, probably. But I'm definitely not going to be like, yeah, babe, go for it. You know? So in Exodus 34, he's challenging the idols of the people. And God, by the Spirit, has challenged the idols of this place. And he tells you why. For you shall worship no other God. That's that's the command. Don't worship anybody else besides me. And I've had atheists get in my face and see like, see, your God's weak. He needs them. But he's not needing something. He's actually freeing something. When God has your everything, you're the most free you ever are. For you shall worship no other God. For the Lord, whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. You know what he's saying? I want you. I want you, all of you. I don't want to share you with demons. I don't want to share you with Moloch. I don't want the bales. I know they are death for you. I want life for you. This is the cry of the heart of God over his people. And where they respond and cut them down, he gets blessing and life and hope. And this is everything that we hope for. And so we've watched, I've watched God literally do this, even in my own heart, right? So as I went through Bible school, the thing that was kind of woven into me was the epitome of Christian life. Do you know what it was? If you get to stand there and preach. Anybody ever feel like, in your heart at least, that you've been ever been in a church where you felt like that was, that was like A team and this is B team? You ever, you're me, you're like, I feel that right now. That's why from this moment, the idols will die, that God started attacking that. It's why I don't stand on stage because we build churches off teaching gifts and God doesn't, he builds them off people. So there was a shift that happened right when God spoke this. And it was like, Ugh, our job is to equip you. You're the body. And if we don't do that, we're bad shepherds. This isn't the A team and B team. This is the team and we just get to bless you and serve you and go like, hey, how are you weak? Let's make you strong. What are your spiritual gifts? Walk in them. Like, that's our job. And so God began to remove, I'm going to call it an idol of ministry. And that's the scary thing, because if, I've said it before, if God tells me to spend the rest of my day sitting in that prayer room, I will. And I won't be here. And I'm crying because It's scary. As you start to build your identity off of something other than what he identifies you as. If you are in Christ, you are a son and you are a daughter. So if you're a plumber or a stay-at-home mom or a banker or a dent tech technician or I can go around the room and I know a lot of occupation, but you, like, you make that your identity, it will, it will fail you. So even if I never do professional ministry again, but I know that I'm a son, I'm doing my identity. This is the hope of the gospel. So why would I want any other idol giving me any other identity? I want to know the jealous love of God. Just like I don't want Anna fooling around on the side and she doesn't want me for her. We protect that. That's the heart of this. So it's not, I. how dare you have idols? It's come back to me come back to the place of provision this is the idea of god's people went and dug cisterns that were dry but he's like why would you do Why would you dig wells when i'm your source why would you go after these other false gods when i'm the only real one why would you with your mouth covenant with me and then cheat on some cheat on me this is the language of the bible The book of Hosea is God telling his prophet to marry Gomer, which is a great woman's name. And right, like, and then knowing she's going to cheat on him and watching the prophet's heart get ripped out and then God commanding the prophet, pursue her still. This is God and his people. He's pursuing you, even if you've played the harlot, even if you've cheated on him even if you have an Astro pole in your bathroom. But ours are a little bit more, we love comfort. We love safety. We love money and the illusions it brings of security. We love lots of things. And they are not poles or gods, but they are gods on some level. And I think God's saying to this body, will you let me have your whole heart? Will you love me first and foremost? Will you let me purify you? and make you wholly mine, because that's the place of life. It's a scary place. You ever, you ever? I, I mean, if I sat long enough with you, I bet there's something, even in me, that I'm a little bit hesitant to go, okay, you can have it, because I'm somewhere convinced in like a dark recess of my heart that he's either going to fail me, or I'm not going to have control, or it's not going to go my way. It hasn't really gone my way a lot the last couple of years but it's been full of life. And the idea that I want to present to you before we start to land this thing, we just started, we just took off. I just, I really, I think God wants to actually do some work in us in prayer and worship at the end. Um, But if you're in Christ, do you know that you are invited to a wedding banquet? My grandmother just said, oh yes. (laughs) We are invited to what is called the marriage supper of the lamb you're invited to this this moment right uh this moment where jesus splits open the sky and invites everybody that belongs to him to come to this great banqueting feast this the best wedding ever you ever been to a lame wedding you didn't really want to be there you're going to want to be at this one it's going to have the best food it's going to have the best wine and there's going to be the best guest of honor the Lamb of God, who was slain for the sins of the earth. And everybody will be looking at him. And so when we get there, we're not gonna wish, oh, I wish I had my idol with me. I wish I had my money with me. I wish I was more comfortable in life. You're gonna go, I wish, I wish I would have given more to the one that all things are about. But that's this idea, what is it, what an honor. To be invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You're like, where do you get this idea? The book of Revelation says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has been made herself ready it was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen bright and pure for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints and the angel said to me write this blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb blessed are those that are invited to eat this meal with this lamb with this god but they are the ones that number one they have made themselves ready they have clothed themselves with white, pure, pure and bright linens, which is these righteous deeds of the saints. So there's this calling out the Holy Spirit did in an elder meeting. And then I'm watching God do this on wholesale. People coming to me and be like, I've never trusted God with this before. But I did. And he came through. And then we're like, yeah, God came through. As we started to sing God's faithfulness. I'm hearing like 18 people behind me yelling it. And not any of these people have had easy things in their life. They're yelling the faithfulness of God. And so God is calling us to identify where are your idols? And if we sat, would you be honest? At least, at least breach the question with the Lord Lord, do I have any? And then let Him search you. Are there places that I'm not trusting you wholly? Are there, are there places that I'm not, I'm not so sure if I can give you access to that? Are there places that I, you didn't set up an astral pole or go to the high places, but you go to other places when you don't know what to do. Why would we go anywhere else than the one who died for us? And so it's this challenge, it's just a challenge to me, it's challenged the elders, it's challenged the staff, it's challenged this church, and we're, we're listening to the spirit of the Lord idols that was the first the second word i'll give you and i didn't do it first service but i'll do it is this idea of yeast uh or or leaven i think i put yeast but then leaven but but to make sourdough and my wife's been making really good sourdough you've got a good sourdough that just came out of the oven and you put butter on it and then drink hot coffee with it praise god okay But the purpose of leaven, the purpose of, you know, yeast is you put it in dough and then it saturates the whole thing and makes it grow and takes over the whole thing. The flavor profiles, all that stuff. I'm not going to get nerdy about sourdough. But Jesus actually says in Matthew 16, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So he's warning them about there's this, this teaching, there's this mindset, there's this this substance that can get into your life and heart that will permeate the whole thing. And what the Pharisees and the Sadducees loved to do was love the law in a way that it would burden and break and destroy people, not lead them into life. Jesus also said in Matthew 13, he told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hidden three measures of flour till it was all leaven. So the kingdom of God is like leaven it's like a small little thing like a seed and you put it into your life and before you know it it meads around it moves all around and the whole thing is full of the kingdom of heaven and there seems to be a theme that people keep coming to me and even jeremiah was saying it the other day of like hey i think the church needs to be careful about the influences they're having in their hearts and in their lives is it a worldly leaven or is it a heavenly leaven and the question is kind of more like, what's permeating you? What's permeating your life? What have you put in the leaven of your, the flower of your heart? And do you see the kingdom of heaven? Or do you see the kingdom of earth? Do you see earthly or heavenly? Do you see fleshly or spiritual? Do you, what do you see? And the, and the Lord's kind of challenging us to return back to the heavenly leaven the kingdom of god and let it permeate our heart and our soul and our life and i i think it has to go with are we actually doing the basic thing are we filling our hearts with the word of god or have we left our devotional time are we sitting with other believers and praying and seeking and fasting The, the simple things because those things actually permeate you And then the last thing, um, so it's idols, and then, and then leaven, and then, uh, I don't remember, I have journals, and so I was flipping through them all really fast to try to see, like, when exactly did you speak this or do this, Lord? Um, but it was probably about a year ago, too. Um, I was reading a book by Martin Lloyd-Jones. If you don't know who that is, he's like a British reform guy, he's dead now. Uh, and he wrote a book called The Sovereign Spirit. Which is about the baptism of the holy spirit and what it is and what it's not because we all have ideas but i don't think we understand and he he likened it to a story that just moves me because i'm like i want to do that with god and this was the story picture a father and a a son just hand in hand walking and he's like this is the normal christian life i hope this is how you feel about walking with god that you're like i love being with you have short stubby legs this is great, God. Where do you want to go? And he says, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is this moment that the Father just stops suddenly, looks at the Son, says, oh, I love you, picks him up, and then this thrill of exhilaration, throws him, catches him, I love you, and sits him back down. This is what Martin Jones said was the baptism of the Spirit. And I know other people add a lot of groups, a lot of other things to that thing, But I was like, that's what I want for this church, God. I want us to be so aware of the love of God. I want the exhilaration of him launching us into things that we couldn't do on our own. And I want every person in this room to feel the affection and the love of the Father, like he's wrapped us up. And every once in a while, and I think I've I've experienced this, where I know what normal Christianity is, to walk with God, but I've also had those moments where he launches me. You ever had that moment? I'd like to live in the launch, but that's not real. So I was praying that. I was praying that, and I had that image in my head from Martin Lloyd-Jones' book, and immediately I had a vision of my own. And in that vision, it was like our whole church was in the arms of God. And I remember telling you this when I had it, so if you were here, I'm just reminding you. And so picture, God the Father grabs all of cobblestone, and here we are, and our feet are dangling, and we're like, oh. And I thought, I was like, this is it. He's going to launch us. We're about to get dumped. Let's get ghosty. You know, I'm just doing all kinds of weird stuff. And immediately in the vision, I saw faces that were mad, angry, and offended. Because we were kind of like, like, it'd be like if me and Jeremiah's faces were like, because the Lord's just hugging us. I'm like, I want to be next to him. And I can't believe Susan's here. Do you know what I mean? And I, in the vision, I felt like the Lord sat us down, looked at me, and went, they're not ready yet because they're not ready to love each other. And the fertile ground that will allow for my Holy Spirit to move in this church is a place that wants to not, number one, love me, and number two, will love each other. They will know we are disciples by our love. That's a hard command. Because most of the time when we think about moves of God and the Holy Spirit and all the stuff I'm talking to you about, we're like, you know what it means to be a God of man? Power, truth, like, you know, big machismo kind of things. But God goes, no, 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 it's measured by your love. Measured by your love. And so I want to kind of challenge you to prepare your heart this next week because my friend El Grande Rojo, uh, big red, he's over there. Uh, he's going to preach next week and I think it is from the Lord about love about loving each other specifically and if you do have offense in your heart towards anybody in this room prepared to be challenged a little bit to maybe lay that down and so those three things are their idols and I'm going to ask them in question form because you're like what do I do with what you just told me well let me give you three things number one Yes, idols. The three questions. There we go. Sorry, not not mad at you, Faith. I'm sorry. Search your heart. Number one, you're allowed to look through the course of your life and be like, okay, am I wholeheartedly God's in my finances, in my sex life, in wherever you are? Search your heart. You can do that work. And then two, let him point it out. Jesus is a very good leader. We are bad leaders. He's a very good one. And when I ask him, Lord, would you lead me out of idolatry? You know what he does? He leads me out of idolatry. And so, so often we're like, well, I'm going to go cut me down some Asherah poles. But God wants you to come to him and be like, God, I've identified these points where I don't trust you. Will you heal my heart? This is not, I'm going to go do a thing. This is God, only you can heal me, make me new, and restore my heart back to you. But don't do it apart from him. But I would challenge you in the quiet of the end of this service, ask the Lord, Lord, would you pinpoint any idols? And if he does, that's him leading you out into life. Two, um, what is being mixed into your life? Is it the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of earth? Um, And I think you'll notice it by its fruit. I think you'll notice it by what comes out of your mouth, what your thoughts dwell on where you're giving your attention and your affection? What is being mixed into the heart, the, the flour, the bread mix of cobblestone? And I think it matters to God, but I think it should matter to us. And then finally, are we ready to love each other? If any of you have been married, you ever felt like, I love you, but I don't like you? I, all the husbands are mm. Mm-hmm. I know. I think there's a harder work that God wants to produce by his spirit in this body that will require honesty on a level we've not, we don't like to walk in. Because typically if I don't like you, I just avoid you. But Jesus doesn't avoid any of those spots in your heart. And so let's do this. Let's enter into prayer. I'm gonna invite some prayer teams up and we're gonna enter back to where we started at the feet of Jesus, allowing him to do whatever he wants to do. We have about 10 minutes anyway, and so the kids have to be picked up. So even if you're a parent, you're like, I got to, you don't have to get the kids right now. There's no excuses right now other than you want to avoid it. That would be an excuse. So if you could, could you posture yourself in prayer? And once again, just at the feet of Jesus. I'm not asking you to Conjure anything. I'm not asking you to figure it out. I'm asking you to submit. So, King Jesus, there is a way that is easy and light with you. Your burden is light. And you do restore souls. And so we just sit after hearing your word and we ask you to search our hearts. we just picture us sitting our, our whole heart, our whole life, right in front of you. And is anything you want to do with this? And trusting you enough that if you poke, you poke on something, if you point something out, it's because you're a jealous lover of our souls and you're trying to bring freedom. So I invite the convictingness, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Abba, I invite your Lordship. Your tender like father-like way where you call us out. Once again, I can posture you guys, but I can't make your heart do it. So if, if you're with me, if you would ask the Lord, all right, do I have any idols? Flip through the Rolodex of your life or your last couple days. What is the leaven of your life? Is it the kingdom of heaven, the things of God, the word of God? Or is it something else? I need you to hear the invitation of the Lord. Come back to me. Come back to me. He's a lot more like the prodigal son's father than you realize. So Lord, we return to you mind, body, and soul with all that we are. And we respond to you now by worshiping you, by thanking you, by repenting, by giving you whatever you want once again I thank you for this body would you prepare our hearts to love to love like you did to steward a move of your spirit is going to require the love of God and so church we don't actually dismiss here anymore we say when you feel we're dis- like dismissed by God you are free to go so if you stay here for the next 30 minutes worshiping great If you sing a song and then like, I think I can go now, that's okay too. There's no shame. There's just a lot of, okay, Lord, what do you want? I want to sit with you as long as I need to. Let's worship the Lord. I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you would like more information, you can find us at www.cobblestonechurch.com. Have a great week and God bless.